This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Catch the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week on the program, Joita speaks at Jacqueline Elms, author of The Fruit Cure, the story of extreme wellness turned sour, an unforgettable deep dive into the world of fruitarianism. That's The Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific over on AMI-audio. Also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Kelly McDonald, settle in here as we welcome you to our Friday and swing open the gateway to the weekend. And in the Toronto studio, Ramya Muthan. All right, uh, let's get into our Friday app update. This is when we talk tech to close off the week with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, lots of CES talk to come in our future, of course, not just with uh, you, but with everybody on tech across the network. But let's get into some of the things that stood out for you this time around, starting with Withings. We believe that's how you say it. Anyways, they've unveiled the BMO 4-in-1 at-home health checkup device, and this is one of the things unveiled at CES. So what's going on here? 4-in-1, big promises. Yeah, this is a little gadget that kind of uh, reminds you of maybe something Star Trek would have to scan someone when they're in the sick bay. Um, this is a small little device. It's about the size of your TV remote, and it combines an ECG meter, an oximeter, a stethoscope, and a thermometer to do a whole bunch of different health monitoring at home. Uh, and Withings has sort of positioned this as, as a, a tool to help sort of uh, in the sort of post-COVID telemedicine era where, you know, people aren't necessarily going to the doctor's office as much anymore. They're doing everything over video calls or audio calls. And what this tool can do is a lot of things that would traditionally have to be done in the office. Uh And of course, it syncs with its own app, and then you can then share that data with your doctor. Um, it's, It's a pretty neat little device. It's not inexpensive, um, but they're basically saying that, you know, in under a minute, you can do a, a number of sort of critical health uh, readings and measurements, and it can detect a whole host of different things. And they're actually waiting for um, uh, clearance in the U.S. for FDA, and presumably it'll be from Health Canada as well, uh, to do things like detect atrial fibrillation, uh, cardiovascular issues, potential infections, and even things like fever and colds and those types of things. Wow, this thing's gigantic. And I mean, of course, we'll wait for the FDA to say, go ahead, Canada, Uh, (laughs) before we approve it. Always seems follow the leader, but this is a great thing. What I like, John, is something that dawned on me during the pandemic when they kept anywhere you went, especially to a doctor's appointment, checking to see if you had a fever. And I kept thinking, God, if you can do that, just pointing that at me. When am I? When can my Apple Watch do that? When uh-huh. can my phone do that? It was one of those things that, for me as a blind person, you know, I can't really stick a thermometer in my mouth unless I get one of the talking ones that that will will let me know stuff. So to me, it's kind of been that weird thing. And here you have a gadget, and I'm not sure how we would interact with it if we could do it with our phone and have uh, speech and all that. Maybe you, you'll have that answer first when I say, or or how accessible it would be. 
it, it seems to be something you just hold up to your head. And um, I, I, I haven't seen it actually in use personally, right. um, yeah. but it's very typical for these things to sort of have like a timer and maybe some type of an alert saying, okay, good enough. Sometimes they even talk to you, um, but I'm not sure if there's any kind of interaction between your smartphone as far as the audio goes, for example, to tell you what to do next or where to position it to get these readings. Um, that'll come out in the coming weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I guess it makes me think about, you know, is this when we're talking fever, are we talking basal body temperature? Uh, also, like, um, they, are they going to try to connect it to apps? Because everything is connected to some kind of app out there. But definitely the at-home use part of it is obviously just monumental. Absolutely. And the price point, it's about 250 US. So it's not crazy, mm, but it's not no cheap. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you're uh, getting thermometers and all this stuff for your, let's say, for your babies at home when they're sick and going out and purchasing, it sounds like having this on hand in general would serve a lot of purposes, right? Oh, man. Yeah. For so many yeah. people. And the whole young family. Young and old. In the whole yeah, family. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially with some of the things you're talking, if they get the approval for it, that's, you know, the AFib and stuff, we're hearing so much about that and knowing how so many people are affected, don't even realize. Um, Apple agrees to settle Canadian iPhone uh, battery gate. <laughs> this could end up being $14.4 billion. Sorry, excuse me, million dollars. I'm, I'm trying to take more money out of their pockets, John. <laughs> they can afford it. I yeah. sure can. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a departure from the CES stories because I thought this was kind of interesting. Do you remember a number of years ago, Battery Gate, when uh, yes. Apple was basically throttling older devices with the newer mm -hmm. operating systems to mm -hmm. have a better experience? Well, people sued over that. They didn't like their devices being uh, slower than they should be. Uh, and uh, Apple has agreed to, although haven't admitted any wrongdoing or liability in this case, to settle this lawsuit. They're just waiting for um, the, the BC Supreme Court to finalize this uh, at the end of this month, January 29th. And if approved, basically uh, anyone that owned an iPhone as going far, as far back as I think an iPhone 6, 6 Plus, 6S, uh, and uh, the iPhone SE and any, some 7s uh, as well, uh, you can get up to $150 per device uh, oh. in, as part of the settlement. That up to will be affected by how many people actually take advantage of this uh, class yeah. action suit. Um, more people means less money. Uh, so, um, but I think one of the interesting things about this, a lot of times we've seen these class action lawsuits where you don't need to submit any kind of proof or anything like that because um, they're just giving 20 bucks to anyone that wants it basically until the uh, judgment has been depleted. In this case, I think you do actually have to submit a serial number uh, for those affected devices to actually get your claim in. Yeah, I mean, I assume there would be some kind of, like, legitimate way that you had to prove that you'd been affected in this way. I just think it's going back to what you said about they're not taking accountability or liability for it. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I it, love it. it kills me because it's like, okay, if you're settling the lawsuit, though, isn't that in itself saying, like, okay, yeah, we screwed up? Or well, we're we seeing more of this too, aren't we? Like <laughs> yes. companies just yes. do something bad and like, oh, well, here's a slap on their wrist. Just pay out a couple yeah. million bucks. Yeah, to here's some money. That's now. fair. Yeah, that's happened yeah. forever. Yeah. But I think in something like this, you know, where Apple usually is known for taking a heavy stance one way or another on something, uh, privacy, security, otherwise. Um, but in this battery stuff, they're like, eh, we'll just pay off the money. 
Yeah, it's cheaper. It's a little odd. Yeah. yeah. It is cheaper and it's it's cheaper for the future. We all love it. We'll still go back. Well, at least they owned up to it as opposed to fighting it and saying, well, I don't know, they might they? be still doing that stuff, right? Yeah, and it's like they pick still your battles. Might be doing that Apple. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll make sure I can find my old devices now and get them ready. Yeah. Just curious, John, numbers. were any other companies going through something similar? Like, were there any parallels between what Apple was doing with that battery? stuff as uh i don't know google or samsung or anybody else not that i'm aware of um because generally those uh, basically on the android side you're kind of it depends on your device on the apple side it's a closed sort of environment apple controls the hardware and the software so i think that's where the impropriety actually is or, or where the, yes. the the issue that people have is is like on Android, you kind of expect some loss of functionality or slowdown as you progress with newer versions of the software. Um, whereas Apple has been pretty good over time and has a pretty good track record of even older software tends or older hardware tends to get an actual um, bump in newer software because it's more optimized. It's you know it's their hardware versus android where google has to sort of build their software to work on a wide range of different hardware and different configurations whereas apple knows what they're dealing with here so the fact that they actually slowed things down is kind of a different take for them uh which is why this is such an interesting little case mm -hmm. yeah definitely all right, well, go get your money, I guess. Um, let's talk about the smart lock. This is another CES item, right? The smart lock that can recognize our face. Yeah, this is um, straight out of the Minority Report. Um, this is the first time we've seen a smart lock that actually has a camera in it that can recognize faces and specifically up to 100 different people uh, and will unlock the door as you approach. You don't have to put in a code or anything like that, although we're showing that in the video. Um, this is actually set up so that as you approach the door, it'll recognize that it's you and just unlock it. You can also tie it into things like HomeKit and other things like that, so you can actually use um, your device as the key, so to speak. But I really like the idea, especially when you're going up to the door with your hand full of bags True. and stuff uh -huh. like that, the door just unlocks. That's fair. Uh, I do have some skepticism questions, though. Like what how do we know that it's not just going to unlock for uh even if you're not necessarily on your way home or if you're just passing by and it unlocks you know these kind of things have they talked about the a um the ways around yeah what might be security breaches this is a common problem with any kind of a smart lock. You're basically putting uh, a computer between, you know, your house and your property. Yeah. And like, oh. um, I actually recently had a problem. I have a smart lock. Um, it's not terribly smart in the <laughs> sense that I still have to punch in a code, but my battery died very quickly and unexpectedly. Oh, no. Uh -oh. Out of my house. Uh -oh. What's the backup yeah. plan? Uh, I climbed in through my balcony no, door. Oh, shut up. I did, yeah. There's no backup um, plan. <laughs> my backup plan should have been to actually have the physical key on my keychain. Right. I like having a keychain that doesn't have much on it. So, um, of course. Yeah. And I literally never use a key to open my door. You just use the, the touchpad. Yeah. So these types of things, though, this is a, a paramount problem uh, that these companies have to address to make people comfortable enough to purchase these things. And these things aren't cheap. This particular lock, uh, the Lockley Visage is 350 US. 
And the one I have is probably a couple hundred dollars Canadian. Um, and it's, it's not as fancy as this one is. Um, but the, the thing is, you need to rely on the fact that, you know, your app is secure, that your door isn't going to unlock randomly and weirdly and uh -huh. strangely. Um, if anything, I thought it was kind of strange that my lock didn't just unlock as a failback. When the battery went. The battery was running out. Yeah. But I... I made a rookie mistake and I actually put in rechargeables instead of alkaline batteries yeah. and uh, rechargeables tend to drop right off with no warning versus alkaline batteries, which have a much longer, slower depletion rate, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, back to the Lockley. Um, this, this is a common problem. And because of the fact that this is integrated with uh, Apple's HomeKit and other things like that, those integrations require a lot of due diligence on the part of these manufacturers before they get accepted into these programs. So I think for the most part, you can rest easy that these are going to be safe and secure. Um, where I'm not sure about is false positives. It's one thing to have a doorbell, video doorbell that can just detect that your package was put placed in front of the door or somebody walked by. This is actually detecting and using, um, basically AI to detect that, oh, well, this is actually John coming home. Let's unlock the door for him. And so that's where it gets a little murky. And, mm. uh, you know, to say that something can't be hacked and it isn't going to be having a, some kind of issue, uh, anytime there's a software update of these things, people get nervous as well because it was working fine and now you've done something to make it different. Yep, yep. Uh, right, so, yep. You have a lot of things to weigh when you're making a decision about these types of devices. The other thing that's interesting about this particular one is it does have like sort of the facial recognition, but it also has a fingerprint reader, a digital keypad, and then a, a, an actual key. Okay. So you can choose your level of comfort basically based on that. Yeah, and that's and like fair that. as well yeah. because I was thinking the same thing. Like I, if I just don't trust that the biometrics and the decision-making process of this thing uh, to to recognize my face and say, yep, she's coming in. Um, I, I just can't, you know, if we don't want to risk that, what other options are there? Uh, even your accidental that you mentioned, like you, mm -hmm. we know our phone, you could pick it up and off a sideways look or just turning oh, gosh, your head, yeah. it can, it'll click, click. And I thought, I don't even yeah, want to know how many times my something. phone is unlocked without me actually mm, needing it to, right? Yep, and this yep. is like the entrance into my house. John, thank you so much. Really interesting stuff. One more thing, though. Mm -hmm. What if your phone is dead and you're trying to get into your right. house? Right. <laughs> yeah. Good heavens. Exactly. As your experience <laughs> illustrates. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Make, make sure everybody can we all just climb up into our balconies? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Take care. John Beeler joins us on Fridays. That's when we talk tech. And all things CES. Up next, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> 24 hours later. Don't tease. The awaited item. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. A dog recently ate an absurd amount of money that was on a counter, yet the owner was able to get it back. Well, Beth Deer will be here in a moment. Maybe with the story. Mm. Maybe not. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, 
and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.